gentlemen welcome back to stories out of time and space i'm your regular host scott weatherly and as always i will be joined by julian darius i will be handing over to he and i in a moment or two but i want to let you know this is it we have reached the end of our journey everything that was red dwarf we have discussed right back to the 1988 series one right now to 2020 and talking about the promised land we will now get on to how we feel about this, but more than that, we're also going to be listing out each of our favourite episodes, our favourite episodes from each of the series, why we loved them, and uh, let's see what you think. So, I'm now going to hand over to myself and Julian, and hopefully you enjoy the show. Mm. That's, yes, yeah. I, I think I'd agree with that. But, but luckily, 12 wasn't the last thing uh, to be produced, wasn't the last series um, we we got very recently in fact, April this year um, we got The Promised Land, a feature length um, episode um, uh, aired uh, on well it was <laughs> in one big go, it was, it was interesting, however weirdly it's presented on the UK TV app as two episodes which is bizarre but weird um, yeah which is odd. Um, and the, the story very much is um, following a distress call, um, the Red Dwarf crew come across three cat clerics um, and the rest of the cat species then come in hot pursuit. Uh, these three cat clerics um, see Lister, as still see Lister as Cloister, uh, and so worship him. <clears throat> and uh, whilst being pursued, they have to deal with this idea of uh, Lister's godhood, um, how the cat people have, have evolved, uh, and a whole bunch of other stuff, um, uh, resulting in uh, a, an interesting finish. Um, but uh, yeah, The Promised Land, 90 minutes, a 90-minute episode. What were your thoughts? Uh, I like this a lot. Um, mm. You know, I don't know that it's, I don't know that it's great, but I think that of these sort of like longer episodes, um, you know, I mean, to me, this is three episodes and I and I took notes of sort of like when the uh, when the the breaks came in, you know, that would be like, OK, that's the end of a half hour episode. Um, mm. So, I mean, I think that I think it's strong. I love that it goes back to, you know, the first episode and actually introduces these these cat people. Um you know, they're sort of feral cats. They're very Klingons. Um, yeah. But I do I do love that they're doing that. I think that uh, it's fun watching, you know, them worship Lister and Lister having to struggle with that. Um, you know, and uh, I think that more than that, it, it's amazing to me that it, it hangs together 
as a complete story in a way that the other multi-part episodes really don't. Um, I mean, obviously the, the prime example is back to earth, which I think we agree that it, it starts strong and then just kind of like deteriorates, kind of goes off the rails. You wind up in this Blade Runner pastiche. This is not where you started. Um, back in the red, which is the start of eight as they're back on the populated mm. red dwarf. I like that a whole lot. Um, but that also kind of like starts sliding into other areas and it's like, Oh, it's all in their minds. You know, it's they're They're all captured and it's illusion. It's great fun. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I think it's, it's really good. I, I probably like it more overall than the promised land, but I think the promised land hangs together as a narrative better. Um, mm. Even, you know, the, the sort of defeating the cats with a laser pointer at the end, that's there in the, in the very first one, right? That's there at the very beginning. I don't love it, but it's set up, right? It's set up properly. And part of my problems with these, these other longer ones have been that they're not set up properly. Yeah. I, I think the way these were filmed may have something to do with it. Um. And I think also because this was sort of a bit of a big deal, it feels mm-hmm. like they've given it more time, you know, so they've sort of gone back and they've checked it and they've, you know, edited it and done things with it. Um, because I think you're right. I think this is, this has a level of consistency that's been missed. was definitely missing from 12, um, but has also missed from multi-part episodes they've done in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really enjoyed this. I, I have to admit, I think, you know, it, it's got, um, it's got some uh, real ambition. It's got some really good uh, set pieces. Um, I think the humor's good. I think some of the acting, you know, some of the, the acting is really good, uh, and some of the concepts are good. Now, that's not that's not to say it's all it's all good. I think there's some stuff that you sort of mentioned the laser pointer thing. Um, I know it's set up. I really hate it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I hate it. I hate it when it's met, it's used in the, at the start. I hate it when it's used at the end. Um, I hate the cat flap door. Um, yeah, that that bothers me. It's just but it nitpicky stuff. But overall, I mean, you know, there's there's things in this that <coughs> these cats they've evolved from. I'm trying to explain. This, they've evolved from a cat, which is fine. I get all that. But then, like, there's moments it's sort of like they're played for humor. But like the, the idea of you know when you get the um, the ruler cat, um, which turns out to be our cat's um, brother, which I think is quite an interesting sort of concept. Mm-hmm. Um, Rodon, I think it's called. <coughs> when he is, they find him and he's in his in his bed, just knocking things on the floor, you know, because that's what cats do. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's that's great. I don't pick fleas off other people because that's what chimps do. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so I, I get it as a joke, but I'm still sort of like, it's it, again, it still feels like that cheap humor. I mean, you know, but there's other stuff though that I really like. Um, I actually quite kind of like the sort of like the soppy three clerics. I find them quite endearing. Um, and this need to sort of, this need to believe in cloister and all sort of stuff. Like I, I think it's really strong. And I think it does work as a, as an overall episode. There's a the, again, though it does come down to a fast paced resolution of, Oh, 
we've got to get round to the finish. Let's have mm-hmm. someone come up with a solution, which I find a little irritating. But other than that, I, I really enjoyed this. Yeah, I did too. I mean, there's a lot that... Um, well, I mean, on the list of things I don't like, I'm not in love with Rimmer as a superhero. You know, Rimmer <laughs> gets this upgrade and that's kind of the deus ex machina, you know, at the end. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not in love with that. What do you think about Holly uh, sort of basically, be, you know, Holly's Restored, which is, again, I loved in uh, Skipper, right? So, I mean, there's this part of me that just goes, Holly, <laughs> every mm. time he comes back. Uh, but, uh, you know, what do you make of him sort of being, uh, you know, a lot like Queeg and, and sort of being the, the villain there for the first uh, third? It... I like there are certain moments like the jokes like I love I really enjoy the fact that because obviously this was started in the eighties um, the idea of the massive floppy disk um, yes that, that then got sort of like Holly backup written on the back of it in marker pen stuff like that like that that to me is is all good stuff I find it that's really funny um, you know it's 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 silly and I know that you know some of the sort of silly stuff irritates me but I I, I kind of like that. But yeah, the the fact that like a, a factory setting Holly is going to be that sort of callous, mm-hmm. um, you know, almost to sort of like Queeg or when they had the uh, the pre what was the, the sort of like preemptive one uh, in uh, Entangled, oh. um, you know, it, it it just feels that feels like a character because Holly would never sort of go, oh, there are there's clearly sort of like four sentient beings on this ship. Um, but none of you appear to be JMC staff anymore, so I'm going to plow this into a sun. Um, yeah, like, you know, again, like even, even in like you know, not to go full sci-fi, but the basic laws of robotics sort of clearly would say, <laughs> oh, oh, okay, well, surely then my function now, instead of it being just for JMC thing, is going to be to just you know try and maintain life on ship. It, it, I don't know, it, it feels um, silly. Um, yeah, but, I agree. Uh, um, um, it's cool that Crichton looks dirty, right? And that's kind of yes. Crichton dies at the end, and he's resurrected. You know, which I think is kind of a play on you know Spock and Star Trek II and Data in uh, Next Gen. Um, mm. You know, it, it, it's nice. I mean, you cat gets that moment of kind of like I'll stay. Um, you know, I belong with these people. Um, yeah, I mean, there's stuff that like you know Crichton. There's this sort of like in the beginning, there's this discussion of Lister as the last human yet again. Right. Mm -hmm. And Crichton proposes turning cat into a woman (laughs) to solve this, which is, which is funny. But again, I think like, really you have no cloning technology, right? Um, Clearly you have, you know, if you have scans of their brains, as we've just established uh, in the previous season and as you know, to create Rimmer, as a hologram, you clearly, you know, come on, you can clone somebody. Um, but yeah. it's, you know, uh, I, I love Rimmer sort of telling Crichton to erase his memory, then asking <laughs> if he's erased his memory and, you know, <laughs> having to erase the memory of that. And then, you know, Crichton going to the screen and saying, my God, there's a, there's a distress call here. You know, that's, that's a very good bit. The first, I'll admit, like the first 10 minutes of this, I I was so into it because of that. I mean, 
I know, like you say, the, the cloning technology. We've seen that cloning technology exists in Rimmer world. Like we know it exists. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but the fact that, like, it's just, again, it's the the character moments. I, I like. I like the way Robert Llewellyn plays Crichton when he's come up with this idea and he's sort of like, and hear me out. (laughs) He knows exactly what we're going to say. He's like, I could turn you into woman. Now hear me out. (laughs) And he's sort of constantly sort of like trying to jump them and stop them from sort of stopping him. And then when he finally comes to the the end of his idea, this idea of like turning the cat into a woman for them to then procreate and create a child, just how, how pleased and happy he is with the idea of not just them, with his idea, but this idea of a child, like it's clearly ah. that's what he even he wants, and it's just this sort of like, hmm, almost like serene. Um, <laughs> and so I, that that whole bit is it's it's and it boils down to this idea, this argument, then which I think it would do of like actually between the cat and Lister, who would make the better woman, yeah, right? Um, because that's incredibly blokey of like, oh, we're going to boil it oh, down yeah. to a competition, yes. Um, and I, I do like all that because um, again, there's this whole running joke of, of Crichton needs a service because um, he was it Rimmer says follow me, so he tries to follow him like incognito. Um, oh yeah, and bits like that, like it's they're, they're, they're relatively silly, but because they're not like you saying, you know, with twelve, it was I think I'm not saying agenda driven, but idea driven. But these are sort of like seem like silly, funny character moments. I'm I'm quite enjoying, and it's like I said, the whole interaction of like. Delete that memory. Did you delete? <laughs> did you delete that memory? What memory, sir? The memory of the SOS. Well, there's an SOS. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that whole session is brilliant. I really enjoy that. Oh, uh, I agree. Even, even R- Rimmer's response to it when they find out there's an SOS, he's like, "What should we tell you?" That he's like, "Sod them, Crichton. Uh, we're too old to be jaunting around space saving people now." And it, it was it. We should be, we're too old to be running around spaceships being chased by a genetic cheese. It's like. I, I, yeah, all this stuff I'm really I'm loving. Like the opening of this this episode is really good. Oh, I, I agree, and I, I do like. Again, I said like I love any acknowledgement that they're aging. So I do love that mm. line from Rimmer. Um, you know, as they're fighting against Holly, you know, they there's this. I don't think this really works where they, they're covering their mouths like in two thousand one. You know, and they're they're mm. planning the EMP. Um, what I do think, you know, I mean, it, it's mildly clever, but, uh, you know, you see it coming a mile away. It's been done elsewhere. Um, what I do think works is after they're bragging about how, you know, it's too late to stop him. Crichton's about to do it. Crichton shows up and it's yeah. silly they've got the time wrong. But, you know, Crichton <laughs> shows up sort of whistling and says, like, that thing you told me is going to, uh, you know, he's in real trouble in 12 hours. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the argument over what's PM and AM, um, right? Yeah, that's it. it's it's really. I think some of this is really good. I'm, I'm, you know, it, it is playing on. You know, it is Queeg esque. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> um. But I do like it. I do, I do quite enjoy this whole bit. And it again, it feeds us into the excuse for them to have to leave the ship. Right. Um, and I like the fact that look, again they they sort of it harkens back to a sort of a comment that I think comes back from things in the past is, you know, they go, Oh, we, well, we just, we just missed that SOS a couple of days ago. Um, you know, it only takes a day or two to catch up with them. And it's like three months later, uh-huh. um, <clears throat> but it's Holly who said it previously. Um, uh, but it's sort of like the bit, the thing about space, our space is big. <laughs> <laughs> it's really big guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Um, so yeah, I again, like I say, I'm, I'm like I say, twenty minutes, twenty five minutes into this, and I, I'm I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm feeling that this is them back on board of sort of like, would I say eleven level good? Yeah, probably. There's moments in this that I'm oh, yeah. genuinely laugh. I'm genuinely laughing at. I think the chemistry is really good. They all feel like they're really enjoying doing it. So, um, it's it's firing on pretty much all cylinders. I think to begin with. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think I, I think it's uh, it's a lot tighter in mm. the editing and in the scripting. Um, but there's also a lot of just like little loving details thrown in. I love the not alert sign in Starbug. Um, you know, when, when they're not on red alert or, you know, there's just not alert. Um, you know, I Rimmer writing, uh, Crichton up for, uh, you know, listening to me (laughs) (laughs) and I can't think of anything to charge him with. Um, I do think it takes a, you know, it's like the end of the first of the three episodes that the cats show up. Um, Mm. it, it takes a little long to get there for me, but I mean, that makes sense. Um, I, I do love these cats. I love uh, seeing them. I love following up on it. I love, um, you know, how they eat in three Vindaloos a day and, you yeah. know, uh, the, the Anubis stone that they prize is, is initially thought to be polished dong. I like their sort of, it's a very, I kept thinking that song that they do, you know, like uh, Cloister, uh, <laughs> you know, Cloisty, Cloisty. Yeah. It's very much the. It's like the Ewok song from the end of uh, Jedi, right? The uh, oh yeah, was it the Jub Jub song? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, I think these three guys are very good. I, I like this sort of again. They start to. This is where it works, where they start to broach ideas, but they seem to do it in a character in a character way because. Mm. The fact of the matter is that like, List has always been uncomfortable with this idea. Well, he thought he'd passed it, you know. He thought he's, he's addressed it with the cat, you know, decades before, um, and now he's got to sort of cover this whole thing again of like, look, I'm not your god, like you know, think for yourself. That's his whole sort of point. And again, like I really like these moments where, um, you know, he's like, look, I've got, I can't tell them, and they're saying to him, like, look, you can't, you can't tell them, um. You know, it'll, it'll break their heart or whatever. Like, and he, so he he ends up sending the others in to do it, um, and so you 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 get this round of people. To, so you know, Crichton goes in first, and then sort of like you know, um, I, you know, I, I know how you feel about uh, uh, you know Mister Lister, and sort of I just have to say, sort of like, well, he's a wonderful person. So like, <laughs> he can't tell them because it means sort of denouncing sort of uh, Lister. Um, then they convert the cat. Which is a, which is brilliant, wonderful, <laughs> um, and and you know, and then obviously Rimmer goes in just as Rimmer's about to sort of do it, um, and uh, he uh, you know he gets interrupted. But again, I love that when he gives his excuses, of sort of like he went on a course for delivering bad news, and he was the best in the class. <laughs> yeah, um, and it's always his thing is sort of like you know, uh, um, um, was it? Unfortunately, we uh, we got some good news and some bad news. Uh, we, we found your penis. Unfortunately, it was your dog that found it first. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, and things like that. So again, like, yeah, it's 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 working for me. This is. Um, yeah. but, but you isolated a great portion, um, you know, and and I think that you know that whole sort of who's going to tell them bit, um, you know, is really wonderful. But you know, it's also wonderful because 
Um, you know, you were talking about character and it, it manages to be funny, but it gets at those characters and it, and it helps me to see them in new ways. Um, you know, I love that there's this kind of like central dynamic at first with Crichton of like Lister has transformed Crichton, taught him to think for himself, you know, which is so fascinating because these cats worship him and Mm. he does have a religious message. I mean, he has been a messiah to Crichton. He has changed Mm. Crichton's life. And his, but his message is think for yourself, you know, defy authority. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I, you know, I find that, you know, I mean, it, it also kind of comes back to, uh, uh, you know, when Kachansky came on board and Crichton, uh, you know, clearly was just in love with Dave, um, yeah. you know, that and, and like you said, uh, you know, earlier in, in part one, that that Crichton is. Uh, just like the the very motherly face that he has at the prospect <laughs> of you know uh, Lister having kids, um, you know, so it, that relationship is is I think beautiful and sort of thrown into uh, relief by this these cats who worship him, and you see you know well Crichton worships him too, but but he has been he is a kind of like religious leader to Crichton. Um, and, and and I think, you know, I mean, just for me, when, when Barry steps up and just like, you know, who's going to create, you know, who's going to criticize Lister? And it's like, you know, you just see that look on Rimmer's face. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I've been waiting my whole life for this job. <laughs> you know? yeah. It's just wonderful. Uh, yeah, it is. They're all, I think the fact of the matter is, because this was such a big deal for the channel, They've given this some real attention, like you know, they've clearly rehearsed this, they've clearly gone in and edited it and, and scripted it as, as tightly as possible, and it feels like that. This is a polished piece of, of entertainment, um, you know, where they've gone in and gone that joke works, that one doesn't. This, you know, and they've really mm. sort of like ho- honed in on specific things, uh, and because of that, like I, I just find that it's working so well. Um, and you know, and the fact that, like you say, not only is it sort of character driven, because you then it, it then shifts gear, and that's why I think this is so good for me. It's like because like you say it, it does come in sort of three parts, doesn't it? But it sort of shifts gear because it then goes from um, um, you, you've had the comedy points, you've had all the sort of the character interaction to literally becoming a chase f- movie, um. And the action, the action is is so well balanced with the comedy. I mean, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's external action. You know, you've got the sort of like um, Starbug doing bits and pieces and all this other stuff, um, and then the hit and, and all that. But it's so well balanced with the comedy that I'm sort of getting flashes of some of the best stuff from sort of like four and five and and, and those sort of times. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's. Um, the joke that's that sort of, um, you know, we'll get onto when Holly comes back later. But there's a moment they're hit and they've jettisoned. Lister's first first thought is to jettison the uh, the, the engines, the rear part that's been then hit, right? Star Trek yeah. style, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he obviously gets ripped for it, but then it's obviously you know it's driving uh, Starbug to crash. Mm-hmm. And I think I think it's Rimmer or Lister sort of asks Crichton for their trajectory. He's like straight down, sir. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, I agree. I mean, that's part of a, a, a bigger part that I thought was more amusing, um, mm. where, you know, um, 
they asked Dave to explain what he was thinking. And he says, you know, <laughs> we're, we're about to blow up. Uh, you know, we're, you know, I know we don't have engines, but we're alive today. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we've got to focus on today, uh, you know, and to be alive tomorrow, you know. And uh, I think it's uh, Crichton who says, uh, you know, it's the today part of your plan that's the problem. <laughs> you know, and then they say, you're, you're, what's the flight trajectory? Down, sir. And he says, can you be more specific? Straight down, you know. It's just a, a wonderful. And then there's this whole bit with the Starbucks owner's manual that, you know, like you find out it's got all these features that they didn't know about. And then has a parachute that, you know, cats stolen, which doesn't matter because it's got a backup parachute. Yeah. But, the, you know, the owner's manual is a clever bit. Uh, well, th- this is where Crichton, you know, we've we've had sort of Crichton in many ways, but he, um, you know, it, we've had Crichton become snarky with people a little bit more so in the last couple of series. And I like that he does that because he calls the cat out because, you know, he's reading through the manual and he sort of says, he says we've got, we've got a, a parachute. And he's sort of like, uh, is it the is it the sort of the silky shiny thing that comes with it? He's like, yes. And he sort of he happens to be wearing the the yeah. the, the gilet that he's turned it into. Um, and he says, well, luckily it comes with the second one. And then Crichton leans in on Cat. He's like, doesn't do do we have a second one, or is it hanging up in one of your <laughs> wardrobes? <somewhere?" laughs> and he proper calls him out on it. And I was yeah. a bit like, wow, yeah, you go, Crichton. Um, <laughs> um, and so, yeah, there's some great moments. But like you say, the the, the moment with the manual is fantastic because they, they find that the entertainment system's uh, got a pinch and and zoom effect. Um, but then there's also something about the seats. It says, oh, don't tell me. They've got a seat. You've read it too? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I uh, yeah, that whole bit is, again, like, you know, it's one of those things you sort of think, yeah, why have they not? What, um, well, two things. Firstly, like, what, why have they never hit on that before? Because that's a really good sort of set of jokes you think would be quite an easy, you know, that could that's something that really I th- I'd have thought would have come up earlier, mm-hmm. um, um, you know, a couple of years before. But I also like, yeah, why? I, I don't think there is one, but why isn't there like a Haynes manual for Starbug? Because that would be really <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, and I thought like, you know, there have been several times where Starbug gets upgraded for the purposes of plot, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you and I have both sort of said, okay, well, we see what you're doing here. You know, you want Starbuck to be able to do X, Y, and Z. So that's what this is accomplishing. And it feels, you know, shoehorned in and not natural here. You get the same effect, but it's just them finding the, the owner's manual, you know, yeah. which I think is just yeah. such a, a wonderful alternative to like aliens upgraded us. Right. Yeah. I think it is. It's it, it works so well because um, you also find out that it's got an, it, it's got a, you know it can convert to electric and it does this other stuff and um, <laughs> it, is, it, it, it is just for the plot but it, it, it does it just works better yeah um, and like I say so seamlessly and they're all sort of doing so well um, but it looks good as well oh yeah like this is the, I... I would say the special effects the the CG on this and, and the computer effects they've got because. That moment of Starbucks sort of like dashing around on the desert planet and stuff being shot mm-hmm. at, it looks good. Like this Absolutely. Is, you know, I mean, it's not like, you know, this isn't sort of um, Rise of Skywalker, Star Wars level good, but it looks good. Oh, um, yeah. And, and I'm, so I'm taken in by it. And, and um, yeah, no, it, it's, it's you know, if it looked cheap and naff, I think, you know, you'd probably lose some of that effect. But 
Um, again, like, th- this this is why it works better because I think because it, it looks so good. And I, I'm into that. You know, at one point they've got because a, a space station has been destroyed. The cats, the cat people, or the cat army have destroyed the space station, and they've got like debris falling and it's climbing towards them. Like it looks, th- th- you know, because this looks so good. Uh, the peril and the stakes feel better. Um, but it, it also, one of the things we haven't actually touched on, because um, we sort of jumped ahead because it's a good bit, is actually a, a Rimmer piece. You sort of mentioned Rimmer about, about Rimmer ah. being a, a superhero. Yes. They do go to a space station, which is where they first meet the, the cat clerics, and they find that there's a, um, this thing's obviously, you know, massively advanced uh, from them. And in advance of hard light is diamond light. <laughs> and that Rim, Rimmer can be upgraded to this diamond light, which is his, sort of like his superhero persona. Um, what does he call himself? Glitter guy. or um, <laughs> The mighty light. The mighty light. <laughs> um, and it's a great, again, though, it, it, you know, the costume's a bit cheesy and it's all a bit silly. So, you know, it's obviously supposed to be a bit of a riff on that superhero look. But... Um, it's a good concept. I kind of like the concept. This idea that you can transfer other yeah. things into light. I mean, it's 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 a bit. It's very sci-fi, but um, something I, I you know I like this idea that he can turn into a little light bee and zip around the ship. I do like you that. Know, that's really cool. Um, well, and it makes sense. I mean, and we yeah. have seen him on occasion, like phase through walls. You know, where he turns yeah. off the hard light, and so it's like, okay, that's cool. They should have done more of that. Um, mm. what, what I like with, with Rimmer more than that is, you know, essentially, you know, that the, he even has a spit curl like Superman in his, you know, superhero mode. Um, but you know, his battery burns out cause of course he insisted they not test it before they used it on him mm. cause he was so hungry for power. Um, and, uh, then he has to go around the ship with extension cords, kind of, you know, <laughs> plugging his life. And that's a good joke. And, you know, that is a joke you think, you know, it's astounding to me that it took 70 some episodes to, to get to that joke because it's, it's just a solid joke. Um, and then, you know, because we're, we're sort of like, uh, you know, talking about the, the sort of second part, uh, which ends with them flying into the sandstorm as the, the feral cats are attacking to them. Just before that, Rimmer enters low power mode and he's finally mm. gray. And they've done yes. it, and it looks good, and it's, you know, Rimmer as, in live action, as he was originally envisioned. Uh, yeah. and, and knowing that, I mean, it's just so cool to see this actually happen. And it looks good. Yeah, because th- this is obviously, it, it, this is how he is described um, in the, the novel. Mm-hmm. Um, this is how he is drawn in the comics when they first did, uh, the, you know, re- the did the comics for the Smegazine back in the 90s, early 90s. So, yeah, they've finally done it. He's, you know, he has that mono um, mono voice, and he's he's black and white. He's grey-toned. And it looks really good. Um, yeah, you know, absolutely. It, it, um, I'm, I've always, you know, it's one of those things that you think, well, you probably wouldn't have been able to have the evolution of the character they had if he had done this, because obviously, you know, colours sort of become part of who he is over time. But um, yeah, I, I but I also like the dynamic that it's sort of it's the cat that does it to him, which is really interesting. That he points it out. Um, 
is it the cat? I can't it's the cat with litter, but this notion that he's sort of like, you know, he, he's I almost died sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Is that well, you're already oh, yeah. dead. Yeah, it is a cat. Yeah, yeah, the cat. Yeah. This is this is like, kind of fascinating. Because then, you know, he says, well, well, I'm dead, but I'm still me. He says, well, no, you're a computer version of you. Like Everything that you're doing is just computer generated. Mm-hmm. And it really throws him into this sort of existential crisis of whether or not he's actually a, a sentient being. You know, is he just a computer sort of simulation or is he is he alive? Um you know, he sends him into a bit of a depression, but it's really interesting. It's fuzzy. It's interesting that it's the cat that brings it up, um, but more so, it's just an interesting concept for for Lister, for Rimmer to have to deal with. Um, yeah, I especially agree. Entering this gray tone, I agree, and I think that uh, you know, I love the gray tone. I you know, and um, as far as the existential crisis, right? I mean, I think, I mean, we've seen cat do this before where, you know, usually with Lister, where he'll talk to Lister and he'll say, you know, don't think about how desperate you are, (laughs) you know, like, don't think about how terrible life is. Well, if I were you, I'd kill myself, you know, good luck, buddy. Um, (laughs) You know, so he's sort of playing that here with Rimmer. But I I love this implication because, of course, it's correct, right? I mean, Mm. and they don't really address it on the series enough that Rimmer isn't Rimmer. I mean, Rimmer's dead. He's a computer simulation of Rimmer. That's been clear from the first episode. But usually, you know, you just elide the difference. And and then you're like, well, you know, I died. Well, yeah, actually, you didn't die, you know. Um, yeah. But it's, it's also, I mean, it gives this episode, a you know, a bit of, or this movie, a bit of poignancy as Rimmer debates and and does for a time being literally pull his own plug <laughs> um it's a little dark yeah it is and this is again where you know we've seen this in the past uh that when when red dwarf goes to these places and it has done you know it's really good um you know this this again like it'll play it for laughs um and it also but it also taps eventually taps into the relationship between Lister and Rimmer. It's Lister that sort of steps forward and, and brings him back a bit, makes him plug himself back in. But this thing, like they've done it in the past, <clears throat> you know, where they've they have addressed this idea of, um, you know, everyone else is dead. You know, in the early episodes, there was there were notions of sort of for for uh, Lister to be dealing with these things uh, and to confront them, and then you know uh, Rimmer's done it as well to confront the notion of his his dad dying or um, other bits and pieces. So that, that when it goes to these places, and it, you know, it's I really like it because I think it's 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 challenging the characters in a way that a sitcom sometimes you know doesn't as much as it should do. Um. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I think one of the key things about <clears throat> about this though is <clears throat> one of the things I keep coming back to as well is, of course, is, is this isn't the original Rimmer, mm-hmm. um, and so because well, I feel the I it's feel not the, the original re- reconstruction of Rimmer either, right? Is your point? Yes, that's what I mean. Yeah, so it's, yeah that's the point. It's, it's not the original hologram of Rimmer, um, so you know that original Rimmer. If he even if he's a whether he's a uh, simulation or whatever, had sort of come to terms with that in many respects to become Ace Rimmer. So this is a different journey, um, and this is all. But this is almost that Ace Rimmer 
you know, having be, being able to become the mighty light and eventually having to sacrifice it is almost that same. It's a it's a similar Ace Rimmer journey. Um, and again, I find it interesting that he has to. You know, they always seem to put Rimmer up against these notions. Yeah, I thought about that too. That it's kind of like this Rimmer's version of Ace Rimmer. Um, mm. I, I wonder what you thought about that. You know, I don't love the conversation uh, between Lister and uh, Rimmer, where Lister's trying to you know prep him up, mostly because I don't like the sort of like moonlight analogy that he makes. Right, that um, you know the moon doesn't make light, and you know it needs the sun. Yet there's moonlight, and obviously it's like uh their relationship right that mm-hmm. um they're better together is i think the best thing you could say about that but it also is like oh yeah you're just the moon here you were just made to keep me sane and um but i what i do like about it i mean first of all there's the humor of uh Crichton coming in and his face when rimmer asked do you like me you know <laughs> 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 But it's wonderful. Uh, And then there is, you clearly see that Dave is trying not to say, I like you. Mm. And it's clear that, I mean, you know, we've had lots of iterations of these characters where that are basically inconsistent with, with others, but you know, where they learn something and they forgotten it by next episode. But it is really clear that uh, Dave does like him. Um, and you know, th- there is, uh, is it is it uh, in this episode where they say, um, you know, Cat says like, uh, "I like not liking you." Yeah, he's later on. Cat says, uh, "You know, I, I didn't like him, but I like not liking him." <laughs> yeah, who am I gonna not like now? <laughs> um, yeah, and that's it. He's, the thing is, he's, he's, he's he serves a purpose. I agree with you about the conversation. I think it's not. It's not. It's not as good. Um, and again, I, I think it's um, it's it's better played out in Stoke Me a Clipper. Um, yeah. Because it's more. It's actions there that so, that show that relationship rather than the um, than just saying it. Because you know, in that one sort of like you know, um, List is obviously on board with with um, Rimmer becoming Ace Rimmer. Um, and he, you know, he steps in as the knight to sort of like to put him under threat, so he can sort of do something brave. And then he's the one that covers for him, but also the stuff. So it's, it's actions showing that. So, um, I I get the point, and I relate it back to Stoke Me a Clipper, um, which is good. But um, yeah, it, it doesn't work quite as well. But I still feel it. I still feel like you know they've they've definitely oh, yeah. got sort of like a a kinship and a, and a brothership between them, which is really quite sweet actually and quite touching. Um, despite the fact that they're you know they're they're willing to sort of like nag at each other pretty much constantly. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And then keeping on those character points, there's that whole sort of thing as like is Lister a good person, right? Which the cats worshiping him kind of again throws into relief. And then there's this mm. discussion of you know Lister says, well, anyone would have protected Frankenstein, you know the the cat that. Um, he saved and went into stasis. 
And one by one, they all say, no, I would not have done that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Lister, who, I, again, it, it kind of gets back to a, a point that is made in Back to Earth and then not followed up on, where Lister's like, you know, I, I am a lazy sod, but, you know, I'm a, I'm a good guy, and mm-hmm. I deserve Kachansky, or at least a shot at her. Uh, I'm not just scum. Um there is this kind of like nice moment here that's done in, you know, I think a way I prefer in which, you know, you are, it's underlined for you that, yeah, you know, Lister is Lister. I mean, he's a slob, but he is a good guy and he is, mm. you know, uh, different from these others. Yeah. I, I, I think that's one of the things that this, this feature length episode does and is is given the room to do is it does give each of the characters um you know these moments you know throughout it to sort of shine and to show something more about them <clears throat> um in particular obviously uh, lister and rimmer but yeah throughout this throughout this episode um all of the char- all the main four are given some absolutely excellent moments that sort of like you know is um is focus is focusing on they like said the the essence of that character and giving them that sort of you know that that moment of going that's what Crichton is that's what the cat is that's what listen that's what and it's hmm. it really works for me in this because I think they care this if this was the last thing they did for Red Dwarf and you know you never know it might well be there are moments in this I'm thinking I'm I'm glad you got to do that mm-hmm. um. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you said, you know, of those four, but it's also true for Holly, Um, Mm. you know, that, you know, they they contact Holly and say that, you know, basically they're trying to con the evil, you know, original Holly to replace, you know, his personality with, you know, the the records of the one who they know. And they, you know, say, well, he's going to have the wisdom of three million years. And of course, we know, no, the insanity of being alone for three million years. Um, and, you know, I'm not in love with uh, how Holly Holly blows up the moon, you know, and uh, Red Dwarf is thrown to free. But I do love the exchanges with Holly, you know, as Holly yes. says, uh, you know, they say, well, this sounds really dangerous. And he's just Oh, you know, oh, well, I've already fired the missile, you know, which is insane. And then it says, oh, I, 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 oops, I, I missed the moon. (laughs) How completely gonzo. And then, uh, and then he fires and it works. And they, you know, there's this wonderful bit as, uh, you know, Holly asks if anyone survived. (laughs) And they say, oh, we all did. And Holly says, Oh wow! <laughs> His reaction, Norman Lovett's reaction to that is like, all of you, really? <laughs> wow. I never, I never would have guessed. That's a miracle. Um, but he has another one. One of his other, one of the moments where he sort of, again, because his timing, it's the editing, but the timing on this uh-huh. is so perfect. Uh-huh. Is when I think one of them says, sort of like, you know, right? Is this gonna, is this, you know, is this gonna be all right? And it, um, Holly's response is, well, I'm fine. I'm miles away. <laughs> yeah yeah um and so, yeah that whole segment is is spot on um and it is it's so well timed the, the comedy is, is fantastic but yeah Norman Love is great yeah but at the moment when the, his reaction when it's you survived wow <laughs> yeah 
Couldn't have predicted that. All of you, really? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and he says, you know, the second shot, well, he assures them, I'll do better next time. And they say, oh, so you've got it all calculated. He's like, well, no, I'm pretty sure it's going to hit the moon. <laughs> you know? like, yes, the yeah. standards are so low. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that feels to me that we've talked about before, but this is where it's, it, it sort of um, veers into that sort of like Douglas Adams sort of like mm-hmm. you know uh, almost sort of farcical ridiculousness, which is great and and it it, it does it so well. Um, I mean, yeah. but this is what you this is where we sort of we lead up to that finish. This whole sort of like middle act has been the the chase and the resolution of this thing. Um, but even I talk about, about Holly. Even some of his reactions when he's sort of like you know he tells him about just to open the door on the ship. He's like, well, we don't know where we are. He's like, um, we'll just open the door and have a look outside. But we're buried under sort of ten that ten you know hundred tons of, of of sand. He's like, oh yeah, yeah, that's a pickle. Like, it's, it's... <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, they they go back to Red Dwarf and they find and again the sort of the cats are there. He's like, you know, Holly, why didn't you tell us? He's like, yeah, I, I can't lie, I forgot. <laughs> yeah um but you're leading into this sort of confrontation this sort of final confrontation uh, and you learn something about the cat eventually uh that he wasn't always cool oh yeah fact, he was right. left and in fact he was left behind because he wasn't cool <laughs> um which is interesting um, yeah and kind of kind of like rimmer you know like like cat has overcompensated too for this essential mm. Like all the characters loathe themselves, right? I mean, it's crystal yes. clear. You know, uh, you know, Lister maybe less, but uh, you know, Rimmer clearly hates himself. Crichton worships humans, and you know, uh, you know, isn't isn't crazy about you know things he's designed to serve, you know, and and I guess he is. Uh, but we find out, you know, Cat has always been much more monodimensional, you know, mm. um, you know, in love with himself. Does it need to be more than? that and yeah i thought this was this was fascinating and it does it does also help understand that first episode you know that like i mean that at least there's some reason why he was the only one left behind you know as everybody went off into space well the other thing the other thing it does for me is to know that he once wasn't cool and all this other stuff it, it it sort of um Puts into focus why he hates Dwayne Dibley so much. Mm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's not. It's not just that you know. It's the antithesis of cool, or whatever. It's like no, no, no. That's who he was. That's why in Better Than Life, I sorry, Better Life, Back to Reality. Mm-hmm. If you knowing that this this knowing this moment now that he was left behind because he was uncool and other stuff, watching Better uh, Back to Reality and his desire to kill himself. Yeah. It now makes a lot more sense, you know. Yeah. From an from an emotional impact, it's like this is the reason I was left behind. Um, and maybe you know, it's obviously this is re- this is me retrospecting. This is me retconning that episode mm-hmm. and giving some cats some more depth. But to me, I'm like, okay, that now makes more sense as to why becoming the Duke of Dork, you know, Dwayne Dibley <laughs> is so is so poisonous to him. Um, yeah, that's a good point. I, I hadn't thought about that. And, you know, we've seen so many kind of, you know, retcons and, you know, mm-hmm. stuff that doesn't stick, you know, episodes that are, you know, in one way or another incongruous with, with the whole. Um, this feels like something different. I mean, this feels like 
I, I think you're pointing out how this enhances those past episodes, mm. you know, whether it's, it's the first episode or, or back to earth. Um, and, and, and Dwayne Dibley, you know, has come back, you know, um, you know, I, what yeah. is it? Where, where did he come back? Uh, in polymorph two, he comes back, uh, oh, right. series six. <clears throat> so yeah, back to so five and six is really where they sort of, they tap into that. But, um, yeah, it, 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 it means something. I feel that it means something. Um, but I also like the fact that, uh, you know, it, when you look at the, the, <clears throat> the design of the costumes and stuff, the cat species that jettisoned off into space have sort of become that they have a, a very specific design. You know, they, they've, don't, don't want to say barbarian, but they're very closer to that sort of um, medieval kind of look, aren't they? Whilst Cat has clearly sort of based himself on Earth-based clothing, oh. you know the the suits and the mm-hmm. you know all that kind of stuff. So um, he he didn't want to go. The, the, you know it, it it adds a dimension to me. I'm like, oh, okay, so some of that may have actually been a choice to reject. Mm-hmm. You know some of that Cat um, culture. Right. Yeah. And and well, it's interesting because then that means that he's made himself cool in his own way, right? He's mm. not, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, earlier we were talking about the sort of theme of Lister as a kind of, you know, messiah who has brought Crichton to think for himself, right? Well, Cat has become cool for himself. He's not mm. following the trend. He's not following what the other cats think are cool. He cl- has learned... Yeah, I mean, the other thing is he's learned to love himself. Um, mm. Not just be his own person, but he seems to really love himself. He loves who he's become, uh, yeah. which what a great lesson. I mean, I wish the, the all of us, uh, but, the, you know, the rest of the characters could uh, progress in that direction. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's interesting that just this one off because just this, it almost feels like a, it's a throwaway line that um in the in in this sort of um the purpose of the tv episode is that it's the the line is there for cat to retort that he is home mm-hmm. you know because it's that thing of like well, we left you behind because you weren't cool you appear to be cool now so you can come with us you know that's that's what it's there for in the sh- in this instant and then for cat to say you know like no Red Dwarf is now my home, and that it, th- that is enough in itself. That's quite a cool thing. But and you know maybe they intended it this way. I don't know, and I think maybe I'm just giving it my own head cannon. But like I say, in doing that, you can see there's so much more to the cat, and you go, okay, mm-hmm. that's where you can sort of backtrack all this stuff, and it becomes really meaningful. Um, and another thing where this episode really brings people's arcs to a close. You know, you get this acknowledgement of things like the cat is, like you say, he's completely comfortable in himself and, you know, neglecting the fact that he's obviously been classed as a psychopath. um, (laughs) He is comfortable with, with with, you know, the rest of the crew. Like He is, like you say, he's comfortable with himself. He's comfortable with all this other stuff and who he is. Um, It almost, you know, he he hasn't got a great arc, but it's a a positive one. And the same for Crichton in this sort of thing of... um, you know that's the you said about sort of like his relationship with with Lister, but also and, and Rimmer gets his. He gets the sacrifice, 
you know, mm. it's, it's it's his it's his Ace Rimmer moment, um, right? And 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 Lister gets to have his Messiah, not a Messiah moment, by sort of giving that teaching of like, be yourself. Like you don't need to follow a leader, or you don't need to follow a Messiah. This this works as a sort of a, as a a tying up of loose ends, and in many ways of sort of like bringing those characters to their to a to a an arc close. I don't know if that's what you, you know. Don't you think about that? Yeah, I, I hope that's not the case because <laughs> I I want more Red Dwarf. Um, but uh, I think that's a that's a very well made argument, and you know, I mean, the fact that you know, I, I think first of all, it connects with the sort of um, revelation at the end that you know, which is actually a legit point in theology that you know the promised land is within. Right. Mm. Which is, you know, a little convenient. And then the, the cats kind of you start worshiping Rimmer, which is a joke and it's, <laughs> it's funny. Um, but uh, but, you know, the idea that the promised land is within and all those characters have some sort of arc. Um, but I, I also think that it gets back to what you were saying about how this is more polished and more refined mm. that. You know, it's one of the, you know, classic things of sort of asking, well, what is each character's arc, right? Where do they start? Where do they end up? And here, even Cat has an arc, you know? Mm. Um, yeah. That's that's kind of cool. Yeah. I, I, I think, you know, I, I watched this independently, really, sort of when it came out. But going back and watching it again, um, and especially sort of following t- uh, Series 12, mm. it this is given so much more love and attention um, and works all the better for it. Um, and I, I, I honestly think that, you know, is, is this the best of Red Dwarf? You know, not in the, the best thing of Red Dwarf, but does this present the best of Red Dwarf? In many cases, it does. You know, does it always work? No, no. There are moments, as I said before, that don't. I think the, I think the, uh, the way they beat the cat people is crap. Um yeah, uh, I think that the sort of the the quick conclusion that Lister makes, like this, is someone who hasn't. But I'll, I'll say this: this always they've made a point repeatedly that he's never read a bloody book, yet for some reason he knows about Egyptian mythology. You know, the Anubis mm. Stone, mm-hmm. and it's sort of like, oh, yeah, but what what would you do? You know, if you were you mummify things to jump to? Oh, so it could be covering something else. I'm like, what? How how have you come to that conclusion? Like that makes no sense. I, I had a different objection to that, which is how have all these scanners not figured out there's something inside yes. dung? Dung does not yeah. have like anti-rate, like lead-like properties, you know. <laughs> Especially an energy source. This thing's supposed to be an energy source. <laughs> um, so yeah, that that again, it comes back to that sort of like quick resolution um, mm-hmm. that that bothers me. Um, in, in series twelve, and that, that sort of thing of like, oh, got to get to the end. That that annoyed me. Um, but other than that, like you know, I think there's some really, really good stuff in this for the sort of like the cat people, for the you know, for the bits, but also just for the crew. I just really enjoyed and some of the comedy, and it is is so solid. Mm-hmm. Well, the, I mean, the couple things you know we haven't mentioned. I mean, as far as that goes, there's a lot of great little touches. Um, it's not great, but they're the ideas that, uh, these were vegans on the iron star. And so they have these forks that, you know, 
uh, only work on on uh, vegan food. So <laughs> yeah, that there's this wonderful bit. Well, Lister's tossing the fork as he's about to fight this cat with the cats have like Wolverine claws, right? Which is you yeah. know a little silly, but um, you know he's tossing the fork side to side, ready to you know one hand to the next. Uh, and then he he's stabbing him, and he realized the vegan fork is trained not to penetrate meat, right? It's programmed. So he says, throw me some lettuce. <laughs> you know? I, I guess the idea is he's about to use the lettuce, like, to press through the lettuce into the yeah. guy. Um, you know, and, it, and it, that's very silhouette, it's silly. It's very throwaway. Um, but, you know, it, it works. When they're buried underground, you know, Crichton has a screwdriver in his finger and then attaches an eye and pokes it through all the sands of the surface. And you sort of hear this kind of Star Wars parody music of, you know, sort of R2, uh, mm. you know, getting up to the surface. And, but it's it's fun and funny. And, you know, we've seen some of that stuff with Crichton, but, you know, it, it, it works and the timing is good. None of this stuff is belabored. Um, mm. Yeah, that editing really makes a huge difference. Yes, I agree. I so agree. I think this is just... It feels like, say, um, that they went and spent time with this in both pre... Um, you know, during pre-production, during production, and then post-production. Like This has been a um, a labour of love. Now, weirdly, like this is only... You know, I looked on IMDb and a few others. Like, this has been quite divisive between huh. Red Dwarf fans. Um, some are very much like us that think it's you know it's great fun and da da da. Others are sort of like, oh, it's 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 not as funny. It's not as as quick witted as um. I think the main complaint is it's not as quick witted as it is when it's a sitcom. Um, and that you know some others are like, oh, it doesn't work on an epic scale. And I'm like, no, no, I think the complete opposite. So I'm very much like this does work on an epic scale. You know, to cover this sort of these ideas, and I think. I think this is working almost as a sitcom, just as, as a longer episode, really. Yeah, I mean, I have a different thought on that. I mean, I think that, you know, you said, is this the best of Red Dwarf? Well, maybe. I mean, I would say this is the best of Red Dwarf as a big budget, quote unquote, right? It's all, you know, it's all uh, relative, uh, epic, right? I mean, for so many years, there was talk about a Red Dwarf movie. This, you know, shows what that could be like. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that the the recent uh, Hitchhikers movie is very good. It did not do well at the box office. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know if, you know, uh, the promised land had to survive at the box office, if it really would. But I think that as far as it being the best of Red Dwarf, I think it's the best of a different kind of Red Dwarf. Um, I mean, you know, the early episodes that, you know, we like have that kind of sitcom unpolished feel and, yes. you know, they're, they're self-contained, they're small. Uh, I like them. And over the years, as the show has had better special effects and done multi-part episodes and done continuing storylines across the season and, and whatnot, it's sort of increasingly grown toward something like the promised land. I don't think that one, I mean, God, I, I hate saying this because I think I, I, I want there to be more Red Dwarf. But I mean, if if you put these as polarities and you have a sort of like sitcom that's a little rough around the edges, but 
great timing and absolutely charming. And then you have uh, the promised land is sort of like the, the polished, more epic, more continuing storyline, better special effects. I think the promised land is sort of like the best version of this version of red dwarf. Yes. I see what you're saying. Yes. I'd agree with that. I would. Yeah. I think, yeah. Cause again, it's sort of, it's interesting where it's come from to where it's, it's you know, it's like you say, it's come from that 1988, that low budget sort of sci-fi comedy that, you know, people in the BBC were sort of ignoring and, and didn't really think was going to do anything to to this, to something that, you know, I think we're, we're doing a massive deep dive on and has, has produced a feature length episode to, 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 to quite a lot of success, I think. Um well, before I, I think we just to see that, go ahead. No, just to see that journey. I think it, mm-hmm. it's it goes to show the success of Red Dwarf, but also sort of why it works is that it can <clears throat> evolve and, and be seen and, and you know um, works on those different levels. So, um, but you know, before I know we're going to do the sort of best of uh, each season, um, mm. but maybe this would be a good place to say. Uh, you know, at the risk of uh, critics or commentators becoming, you know, creative, what would you do next for Red Dwarf, if anything? Uh, are you content with this being the end? Or if, you know, is there anything that Red Dwarf needs to do? Or what would you like to see? I think if, if this was to be the end, I would be satisfied. You know, as, as a, from a creative standpoint. Would I want more? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. I, I would, I would happily see another series if, if they were to do it more in the vein of eleven rather than twelve. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not. Um, what else I would do? The one thing I sort of feel that this is missing um, is we've said about them being a bit more adventurous. This misses to me a multimedia element. Um. I, I think that there would be grounds for... I mean, Titan Books do a, 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 a whole bunch of stuff, but they do a Doctor Who series. Yeah. I would love to see them do... Um, I don't know. I don't care. Six part, 12 part. Just a, a, a... If I could see them do a comic book series for Red Dwarf um, and really sort of, you know, do whatever they wanted to do, Six episodes, six issues, whatever. I I would love to see that, and just see how that would do, um, because I think they've got the potential there. You you've got this, yeah. You know, the budget's unrestricted because it says whatever you can draw on the page, mm-hmm. but also with with those sort of like printing rights, the things I'd love to see. I mean, this, this is dream. <laughs> yeah, this yeah. is me being dream catcher. I, I think I've said it before in this. Like, why why has Red Dwarf never crossed over with Doctor Who? <laughs> right. Uh, it seems like common sense. Uh, yeah. Um, something like that would be ace. Uh, and and they could do it in in the comics, right? I mean, you oh, know. Yeah, definitely. Well, Titan, Titan have got the print rights for for um well Titan have got the print rights for Doctor Who. I think Rebellion right. still hold the print rights for uh Red Dwarf, but um it could easily be resolved. I'm pretty sure if, if someone wanted to do it, it would happen. <laughs> Yeah, well, in addition to getting the this magazine back into to print, you know the the comics in there that haven't been seen. 
I, yeah, and that's the other thing. I would love to get that. Like, it's 35 years soon, and I just think to get those, and I've, like you say, I've, I sent I sent you a couple of issues so you can see them. Yeah, I've been reading them. Um, um, I've, I've managed to collect that first volume, the first 14 edition, uh, first 14 issues, and I love the comics in them. Like they, they are, I mean, not just the articles. Those, those magazines have got some great stuff in, um, and I think they're just being lost to history. And I think it's a real, real shame that you know that's there somewhere. They should be reprinted. Um, I mean, the the comic material in itself is good. You get some reprints of the of the uh, you get some comic um, versions yeah. of the episodes. Yeah, the first two episodes. Get, yeah, but more sort than of... that, you get some speci- you get some specific <clears throat> Red Dwarf adventures. You get uh, Mister Flibble adventures. You get... <laughs> Ace Rimmer Adventures. You get an entire soap opera with droids, androids. It's incredible. Yeah, and and there's a there's a series with um, the um, um, Crichton as uh, what is his name? The uh, detective. Uh, Bullet. Yes. Yeah. Yes. There's a detective series with Jake Bullet, and and it's yeah. You get um, Inquisitor. There's, there's a couple of Inquisitor shorts as oh, well. Oh, that's so. right. Yeah. It really does cover all bases, like to, and to know that it's going, um, you know, that you can get them on eBay, just the magazine, you can collect them on eBay, but that, that you know they will go out of print and they will disappear soon, and it's a real shame that if this is going to be the last episode of you know whatever, thirty five years coming up soon, and I just think it's it's something they should really really look at. What about you? What would you do? Well, um. I would not be satisfied with this as the end of the show. I mean, I would, I would say, <laughs> I would say it ended on a high note, and that's better than most shows get. But I want them to address more how they're aging. I want them mm. to address more, you know, that they are alone in the universe. That you know, has Earth's sun exploded? Um, I want to see, you know, them kind of take. You know, I mean, I always want to see like the sort of like the last story, right? I want to yeah. see the characters die. I want to see things change. And I and I want to see them break up the formula more. I want to see Kachansky again. Um, you know, I miss that stuff. And I would love for them to go out on a, you know, here is our final season. We're going to take our time and really do six or eight episodes that, um, you know, maybe bring back Ace Rimmer, you know, kind of tie up everything. And then if you do, you know, if you want to do more after that, you know, you can, you just said it before or something, um, yeah. you know, you figure some way around it. The other thing that I, I cannot, you know, is my fantasy. Okay. <laughs> this is going to be weird. Okay. My fantasy is a, a one season-long animated Red Dwarf. You know, you were talking about wanting to see it in comics. I want to see an animated Red Dwarf. And what I specifically want is I want an animated dwarf uh, that has the first episode is uh, the resolves the season two finale. Um, And, you know, you see a pregnant Dave. uh, And it, it seems to me the simplest resolution to it is when they go back into a parallel universe, instead of going into uh, the universe with the with the women and the you know gender swap, they go into the universe where um, Crichton joined the ship after Crichton, 
and yeah. uh, you know, uh, and uh, Holly's been replaced with a female computer. And then the episode ends with you following the other characters. And it's like, you know, okay, well, right there, we've like screwed the reader, you know, the viewer over of like, guess what? We're replacing our characters. Um, But also you you were following these other characters for all these years. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think that would be so much fun. And then I would love if the rest of the episodes followed, um, you know, resolve the season eight finale. Um, mm. you know, and, and there are about like four episodes that you'd need there where you'd need to like resolve that finale. You need to get Rimmer to die again. I'd love if, you know, Ace Rimmer is there. He could even be the one that solves the finale, uh, uh, cliffhanger problem. Um, and presumably somewhere in there, Kachansky agrees to date, uh, um, uh, to date Lister, maybe because they just had this near death experience in only the good, you know? Um, mm. but, uh, and then you need the breakup episode where, uh, you know, Kachansky breaks up and, uh, apparently dies. Um, and then I'd love, you know, you've got a decade to cover. Lister can mourn for a decade in an episode, you know, you can jump forward for a whole decade, uh, and then lead into back to earth. And then one episode after that, that follows up on back to earth and has, uh, you know, Lister dedicated to finding Kachansky, you know, so basically those animated episodes could sort of turn back to earth into a fully fledged season nine that covers 10 years and resolves that cliffhanger and gets you through to uh, Kachansky's, uh, you know, he can find Kachansky and, you know, Crichton could have deleted the memory of, uh, you know, having helped Kachansky escape, you know, um, and I, I think that would be a great kind of epic storyline that would sort of like resolve the continuing narratives of six, seven, and eight in a satisfying way. Um, and we'd get to see an animated dwarf, you know. And, and you could, awesome. you, yeah, go ahead. You just caught. You could, I'd love to see. It. I'm, I can picture in my head the kind of animation I want to see. And you just call it resolutions, red dwarf resolutions, <laughs> and it deals with all that. That'd be ace. Yeah, brilliant. I'd love that. I mean, and I know that like part of the charm of Red Dwarf is that it's, you know, it's not a slave to continuity. It's never going to be a slave to continuity. But I think that these episodes, like going forward 10 years, you know, following the alternate universe cast. I mean, these are definitely screwing with the reader things and or the the viewer things. And, you know, I mean, I'd love if... uh, between, you know, some more live action stuff and the animated stuff, if, if you could get closer to 100 episodes and kind of I'd love to see this in serialization on sci fi or, or something. And as you know, here's this crazy, inconsistent 100 episode epic, you know. <laughs> yeah, there is more story to tell. I do love the idea of the animated series, though. That would be ace. I would um, love I would love uh I would love that and sort of fill in those gaps in clever ways. You know, it's three hours. It'd be three hours total of animation. You know, that's yeah. achievable. Yeah. But it wouldn't even have to be expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I just think, you know, 35 years coming up, like they could just do stuff. I don't know if Dave would ever be. Um, the thing is, I realized I did some digging before we get into it. Um, Although Dave, IT, uh, UK TV Play, presents it and produces it and stuff, <clears throat> a lot of the rights actually do still sit with um, some slightly different companies for different things. But um, 
so that the old Smegazine stuff sits with Rebellion, but apparently the future stuff still sits with uh, it's called Grant Naylor Productions. Mm-hmm. So they've they've got the rights to do it. I yeah, they would. I do. I do too. I mean, I I think there's a great opportunity there, and and obviously we would eat it up, you know. Oh yeah, I mean, Newton. I honestly think, um, you know, these companies that do—I think I mentioned it. These 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 companies that do like you know, they bind a book for you and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm I'm definitely really sort of like seriously considering like saving up some money and doing um, getting those issues, those that first volume of you know, magazine as a, as a yeah, bound is a hardback book. It'd be amazing. Well, and you know, I love I love the idea of the comics. You know, I mean, it'd just be mm. it'd be great to see. You know, I, I mean, I have enjoyed the the comics in this magazine. Uh, you know, and I'm I'm going to get more of them. But it'd be great to see, uh, you know, a modern comics interpretation. Mm, I agree. I would love to see it. It'd be so so cool. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. See, this is it. This is what you know, I shouldn't be a bloody project manager for a housing company. I should be working on these, giving people <laughs> ideas. Amen. Absolutely. No. And and you've had so many. You know, I mean, I, I make comics, and you've had so many great, um, you know, great takes on ways to improve these episodes. Um, you know, in in minimal with minimal changes. Uh, I've been really impressed with with some of your solutions and, and the sort of continuity errors that you've spotted and also the elegant solutions you've come up with. So obviously we need to, uh, you know, be in charge of like the red dwarf expanded universe, uh, that should exist. That's yes. That's what what I want. If they would pay me to do that kind of stuff, um, you know, that's what I want. If I could be an editor on that sort of thing, you know, produce, that'd be fantastic. Maybe, you know, maybe in an alternative reality, that's what's happened. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's our parallel universe, you know, yeah. in which uh, you know uh, the politics are a bit different. <laughs> mm, yeah, right. I mean, if you, if you, um, we'll just jump into it. We'll do the next bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, three, two, one. Okay, so so yeah, so that's our ideas. That's what we've sort of covered for uh, the the possible future, alternative futures, if you will. Um, but let, let's look back to the past. One of the final things we want to do in rounding out this epic, epic review of, of this. I mean, God knows what we're going to do for our bonus episodes at the end of season two. Um, we're going to go back and we want to give our favorite episodes from each of the series, one through 12. Um, and so I don't know if we want to sort of just go season by season. We'll just give our each <clears throat> each give our thoughts on our favorite episodes. Uh, as we work our way through, sure, sounds good. Cool. So go on then. Uh, I, think, <laughs> I think we're going to have a couple of similarities, but series one. Yeah, I think it's it's remarkable how how similar uh, our views are. Um, yeah, for me, series one comes down to the end, waiting for God and future echoes, and for me, future echoes wins, um, and it wins for me because like the end especially in rewatching it um it, it's really the last 10 minutes of the end that that blow my mind but it's future echoes that cements this as a series and mm. if i were just watching this straight through for the first time uh, when i went back and actually did that having seen odd episodes on uh pbs here in the states future echoes just blew my mind and made me i mean at that point i was like 
I will watch everything this series ever does <laughs> just because I love this so much. This is so crazy. Um, so that's my call. Uh, what's yours? No, I, I 100% agree. For series one, it's 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 definitely future echoes. Um, as you say, sort of the, the end is, is good. It's a good, solid start, but you can tell it's almost like a testing of the waters. It's a pilot. And there's a couple of ideas in it, but to go straight to a concept like future echoes and to have it, I mean, some of the complaints we've had about some of these later seasons is, you know, uh, it's not very tight. It's got, you know, it's sort of the, the resolution's a bit naff. Future echoes doesn't have any of that. Like it's, it's right. We've got this idea. <clears throat> we've got these concepts and we are going to, we're going to lay it out over 23 minutes uh, of TV show. And it's, it's, it's tight. It's concise. You know, it's, it's satisfying. And like I said, it's just really mind blowing that this is the second episode. I mean, it comes across as confident and mm. ballsy, you know, mm-hmm. as a second episode, because this could have put people off. I mean, it may have done people come in at the first one and go, Oh, okay. I know what this is going to be. You know, this is sort <laughs> of the odd couple in space. And then all of a sudden you get future echoes and you've got like, you know, um, you've got people talking to a blank space. You get um, predictions of the future. You've got an old Dave Lister in bed. You've got all this other stuff. Like it's, it's an excellent, excellent episode. Yeah. So future echoes is a great start, not just to the series, but to the, to the whole show. And I think, I think what you're underlining is how much it sort of telegraphs we are going to screw with the viewer, you know, so much of what we like is the sheer perversity of the show. It's sheer willingness to do things that, you know, a continuing show should not do, you know, and embracing them. And future echoes just, just does that and and blows my mind. So uh, what's your pick for season two? So season two, I, I, I went back really between, um, parallel universe, and for me, at least, parallel universe and better than life. Um, but I, I landed on um, better than life um, j- again, just because I, ca- I kind of like the concepts in it. Um, I like the character moments in it. I like the fact that really it's one of the first of episodes where it's all, you know, it's early on, it's cementing Rimmer as a bit of a as a as a real git, you know. But the fact he sort of his self loathing is sort of like you know. It, it breaks everything, um, and you know, it, yeah. I, to me, I think it's just one of those episodes that sort of—it's the first episode. It's almost like a, that Star Trek thing of like being able to take them to to Earth without really taking them to Earth, um, and so they sort of, you know, you have that fun moment of um, interacting with people. They do silly, you know, they're playing golf. It's got some daft moments, but it, to me, it's one—it's one of the first ones I remember like really enjoying. So to me, better than life for season series two. What about you? Um, yeah, for me, uh, Better Than Life was not even on my short list, interestingly. <laughs> um, yeah, so for me, it kind of comes down to uh, Thanks for the Memories, Parallel Universe, and Kryzen. Um, so Parallel Universe is the one that's on both of ours. Um, but interestingly, mm-hmm. I chose Crichton. Um, and, I, and I kept track as I was going. You know, I sort of... Um, I sort of rated these, you know, as I was going. So, you know, they're consistent with what I felt watching them, right? As opposed to like looking back. And for me, Crichton just works, you know, and I know it's a different actor, but, you know, the perversity of the, um, of, uh, 
you know, finally finding an android and he's utterly insane, you know, uh, it, it, it's just so good. And I know they resisted involving an android, but it, it seems to me that, you know, while Crichton is different in this episode, a little different than the Crichton we know and love, um, it's still just such a, a you know, a, a mindfuck, so to speak, to, you know, see him. So, so that's it for me. Cool. Yeah, no, I can see why. I mean, Crichton is a great episode. I think, again, it's sort of, um, it, in many ways, I think Crichton sort of starts to solidify many of the aspects of the show of, of being that sort of the rebel. You know, I mean, the whole point of that episode is about being the rebel, and the show really is a, a rebel, isn't it, really? So, um, that's a good choice. I do like that episode. What about Series 3? Yeah, so for me, Series 3 came down to... Um backwards in the last day the first and last episodes and mm. uh and for me backwards won out um you know not by not by a lot but uh it, it did one out and so this is like the first time that they we, we see earth and you know it, it it's clever i mean looking back on it i think you know i i don't necessarily remember it as well as i i remember some other ones but um you know, it it has that sort of um, weird uh, red dwarf take on a sci-fi concept. Uh, you know, Star Trek uh, sort of going back to Earth, but but things are weird and things are different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, it's just it's enjoyable. It plays well, and uh, that's what I chose. So, what about you? Yes, series three is was it was an interesting one because. This is sort of three. As I said before, three and four is the red dwarf I remember from being a kid. Like it's the one I really sort of associate with my nostalgia because it's when I sort of got into it. Um, and so you know, there's a couple on in here. Like I'm, you know, I'm not hugely keen on body swap. Um, mm-hmm. you know, um, but the other five, I was really sort of looking at them and, and going up and down and sort of giving them some scores. And yeah, I really like marooned for. You know, again, because I sort of like the the build of the relationship between Lister and Rimmer. Um, I love Polymorph, even though I know it's a bit junk, um, <laughs> just because of some of the bits and pieces in it. Um, you know, in time for, again, like yourself, I ended up coming down to backwards. Um, wow. Um, because and the reason so is because I do like the concept. It's the first time we sort of introduced to to. Crichton, that the, you know, the Robert Llewellyn Crichton, mm-hmm. um, and this is the rejigging of the show, and again, it comes down to this thing I said about confidence and the sort of like, you know how ballsy these things are. That there's something about this episode that's just sort of like it's the first episode of the series, you know, it's like, right, we've completely changed gear, you know, Rimmer's now got himself a sort of a Captain Scarlet looking outfit. He's he's, he's you know doing this and stuff. We've got a new Crichton. We've got this other stuff. And we're gonna separate the crew out, and we're gonna go back to Earth. And it's just whenever I go back to this series, although I like the other ones, I think backwards does stand out as the episode to me that probably be the first episode I saw. One of the first episodes I probably saw that probably did just draw me in straight away. Um. So yeah, no, backwards. I think has got a lot you know, a lot to answer for, for my love for Red Dwarf. So <laughs> that's pro- probably one of the reasons. Um, I'm not, you know, there are moments I, I know aren't great, 
but yeah. you know, there's even stuff we've referred to consistently, like you know, Cat's exit from the episode is is brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, no backwards for series three. Well, and I, I think you're you're right that you know it, it is the sort of confidence of establishing that new formula, which is, I mean, certainly the most radical departure the show's taken. But it's amazing, you know, looking back, it's amazing how everything's firing on all cylinders right away. Like as soon as yes. they introduce Crichton, uh, they've made some changes. It, 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 everything is just hitting on all cylinders right from the start. Uh, yeah, agreed. It's it, it's so good because of it. So what about series four for you then? Uh, well, I think it's your turn to go first, but I'm glad to do it. Okay. Uh, no, yeah, go, go on, go first. We'll take it's it up to you. Um, uh, no, go on, go on. Okay. Go. Well, for me, uh, it comes down to Camille, Justice, mm-hmm. and Dimension Jump. And mm. not scared to say... For me, it's Dimension Jump. Um, nothing beats Ace Rimmer. That's, yeah. I, do I have to say more? No, no. <laughs> it's, it's, it's to, you know, this is again is is this is sort of the heart of Red Dwarf for me. This, I think, Series Four is probably the over over time. I have revisited the most. Mm-hmm. Um, I love ev- I love every episode in this for different reasons. I mean, I, I criticize them all. But I almost do it with love, you know, when we talked about them. Um, but for me, it was it was um, the th- if I was to narrow it down to the three. To me, it was it was justice, dimension jump, and meltdown. Um, mm. I, th- I think meltdown is is incredible and and gets dark and really has some sort of like you know interesting moments. But as you said, nothing beats Ace Rimmer. Mm-hmm. Um, d- dimension jump it's, you know, we're going to obviously sit series by series, but if I was to do a top five, if I'm all right, if I was to do a top five of the entire series, like Dimension Jump would, you know, would no doubt would be in that top five. Um, you know, maybe even a top three. So, um, yeah, I, I love Dimension Jump. Excellent episode. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, Justice obviously is a kind of, you know, staple and meltdown. We've come back to so many times and talking about Rimmer's, you know, personality that it kind of represents. Mm-hmm. I, I think I like the episode less than you do, but it kind of represents a polarity of Rimmer as sociopath, you know, um, <laughs> you know, in the series. So it, it is a kind of touchstone for that reason. Um, so what about series five? Oh, I, I know. I know five. what you're going to choose, right? I mean, there's no, no doubt. Yes. Yeah. There's a couple in here though, and it was weird because when we went back and when we discussed this, like you know, there's a few that I like, but we sort of picked fault with. You know, we, we had some issues with the Inquisitor, um, more so because of sort of the just the way it it works, um, and some of the sort of the bits of quarantine that sort of like you know are fine, but um, you know, the end it, it all comes down to this you know, with the look virus, the end bit really with with Crazy Rimmer mm-hmm. is the reason that one works, um. And I really enjoy Terraform. I think Terraform is a, is a, another great exploration of Rimmer, um, and, and has some fantastic moments. Like you know, the fact that the frogs all ribbit, you know, useless, useless <laughs> yeah, is 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 so good. Um, and something and something I'll you know even I sort of I I will in my head I will harken back to. And the fact that like you say, it has these great moments. Like they talk about the three musketeers. You know, they talk about them being the musketeers, 
you know, when they talk about mm. him being the crew from the dwarf, and then it's the musketeers that appear from the graves of his past um, charm and self worth and all this other stuff. And I think that some of that's really well thought out. Um, but yeah, it can't beat Back to Reality. Back to Reality <laughs> is is without a doubt the best episode of this series. It's got you know. Um, the comedy's great, you know, just the idea that they've been playing, if it's a game, they've been playing it wrong for four years. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you know, the, all, all the stuff about sort of, um, you know, when you get, um, you know, the guy keeps calling him a twonk, revealing that Rimmer was actually a plant and he's sort of, it's, it's all mm-hmm. in the micro dot. Uh, it's <laughs> yeah, so yeah. many good stuff. Jake Bullet, uh, Dwayne Dibley, um, you know, it, the fact it sort of it picks away at the characters more and more um, is no, it's brilliant. And the fact it's got the acting as well of them. You know, when they're in the car, they do. We said it on the show. Well, I said it on the show. They do an entire car chase in this episode. Yes. Without without leaving Starbuck, and it's it's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. So back to reality is most definitely the best episode of series four for me, at least. What about you? Oh, agreed. I mean, I, I, I don't think there's a the serious contest. I mean, for me, it, what's interesting for me, and, and I love Back to Reality, it, it also represents a sort of that same kind of screwing with the, the audience that I just really love, you know, that it, it's convincing that this could be the case, right? And if any show's going to do it, it's going to be Red Dwarf. Um, so, I mean, Back to Reality is, is a classic. What's interesting for me is that my runners up are totally different than yours. Um, mm. I mean, I do think there's a big gap between Back to the Reality and the others. But for me, Holoship makes a mm. list. And, you know, a, a Holoship is sort of the Rimmer version of Camille. Um, and both of those made my list and, and, you know, as runners up and didn't make yours. And then uh, Demons, and a- Demons and Angels, despite its flaws, uh, I like quite a bit. Um but yeah, nothing, nothing's going to beat back to reality. Um, okay, so so I think I know what yours will be for six, but uh, I did two <laughs> in a row, so uh, I, I think I know your six and seven and eight. Uh, yeah, probably. Um, well, go on. You do, what's your six? Well, six, the clear standout, no competition, no runners up is Rimmer World. Um, you know, which to me is. Uh, just such a clear standout. I mean, Out of Time is, is for me, clearly the second best, but, um, you know, Rimmer World is so much fun. And, you know, you had, uh, I like it a lot better than the uh, Wax World one, um, mm. uh, Meltdown. Um, so for me, Rimmer World with, you know, the, the Roman Rimmers, you know, he's stranded and uh, there's the female Rimmer and, and all of this stuff, uh, how quickly... Uh, the world has gone to hell once Rimmer is in charge <laughs> is is, uh, is my clear choice. Uh, what about you? Yeah, you're spot on. Rim, Rimmer World is is ace. Um, it's fantastic. It's just, I mean, it's got everything. It, it's so well done, um, and, and it also opens up these ideas, like you say, the whole sort of like the fact that the H and and Rimmer become sort of uh, <laughs> you know almost godlike. So when they question. <laughs> the, the the guy on the throne, like, I am here, um, and all that. It's it's really good. L- looking back, though, I mean, you know, when we went back and when we when we reviewed this series, um, it was a bit. I'm not say heartbreaking, so that's a bit a bit much. But 
it was disappointing for me to go back to Series 6 and actually sort of to look at it and go, yeah, do you know what? This is actually a pretty weak series. Mm-hmm. You know, like Sirens, I think, is 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 not good. Um, I don't. I think Legion's pretty good. You know, in that sort of sense, I, I kind of like Legion. Gunman of the Apocalypse is is naff. In you know, um, yeah. emo hawk is dreadful. <laughs> like yeah. Going back, to, I was like, wow, that's really bad. And but like I say, so really, Rimmerworld and Out of Time. Mm-hmm. Are the best the best two, um, and again like that thing of we've said about the, the the desire to basically just fuck with the fuck with the crowd and the, the audience of having a cliffhanger like that and then just disappear for four years <laughs> was was I remember as a kid just being like no 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 what what's happening what's happening come on um, was great but to see that to see the the end of out of time to see Starbug destroyed was. I remember just you know, seeing sat there and gobsmacked. So, but Rimmerworld's definitely the best. It's a fantastic episode. Um, yeah, and I agree with you that six is uh, when we reviewed it, it. It was surprising how, I mean, e- even going back and doing this list, uh, seasons one through five, I all have, uh, you know, in some cases a clear favorite. But I mean, we've only disagreed on one. But um, I had. Um, you know, two others that were relatively close that I thought, boy, anyone watching the show should probably see those episodes. Um, mm. Once you get to season six, it's like, yeah, just watch Room World, you know, maybe yeah. out of time, yeah. you know, you, you're fine. Yeah. So That's you want to do series seven? I know what you're, there's no doubt. You, we're both going to be, <laughs> you know. Uh, I'll I'll call it then. To me, it, it stoked me a clipper. Yes. Um, um, I was almost going to say a robberus then, just to wind you up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, stoked me a clipper is um, it, it's it's the pinnacle of this series. I mean, it's it's also like you say, it's the first it's the first closing of the arc for for Rimmer, mm. um, mm-hmm. and it's you know, um, in in a series of missteps and bad choices in many cases um this stands out as, a, as an episode that's you know got heart it's got <clears throat> um some great acting again from chris barry it's it's well thought out it's really good it's a great episode to me i really enjoyed this episode even outside of this sort of outside of series seven but the rest of series seven as we yeah. pointed out it's got some good moments you know like you said the, the little dancing rimmers in blue mm-hmm. um you know, there's some moments in sort of like when they talk into the virus with epidemic, it's okay. Mm-hmm. But it, in Ticket to Ride, I know you sort of, you know, I think you, you like that more than I do, but right, it, it comes down to what this <clears throat> what this series comes down to, to me, is that moment in a robberus. Um, <laughs> and it, it's sort of, it's what we've echoed in later series of this is quick resolution of that is just dreadful. Um, and it sort of it hangs over the rest of the series in a really bad way. So yeah, uh, stoke st- me a clipper. What were your thoughts on seven? Then? Uh, yeah, very similar to yours. I mean, I, I do like the JFK stuff. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I-, I do like. You know, I get what Doc Soup is doing in the show. I mean, I love the rim- dancing rimmers in blue. Um, I think Beyond a Joke is is okay. I think Epidemic and Nanarchy are probably. Uh, you know, 
uh, second and third if I had to choose them. But yeah, Stoke Me Clipper right from the start, that ridiculous teaser, you know, that ridiculous just you know, um, <laughs> air gliding on a, on an alligator and, you know, shooting Nazis and, uh, you know, all of that is just, it's just wonderful. And, and you're quite right. I mean, bringing the rumor arc to a successful conclusion, seeing Dave and Lister's relationship and that Dave not only helps rumor, but then hides it from the rest of the crew, you know? So, and, and, you know, I mean, yeah, we criticized, you know, you made a great point about there shouldn't be all those, um, you know, uh, graves in, in the conclusion, but mm. it's still a clever idea. And mm. yeah, I mean, I, it's a classic episode. Um, but I agree. I have a lot of admiration for what seven is doing. Um, I don't really admire six for ditching red dwarf and being focused on Starbuck, but I really do admire, you know, I know it's cause you know, Barry was only available for four episodes, but I do love, uh, adding Kachansky. I do love, screwing with the basic premise of the show it just doesn't work um at least in seven uh so mm. stoke me a clipper is by far the the best um yeah and and i'll, I'll just go for eight because you know it's a hard yeah. one um uh, uh yeah uh back in the red one um the mm. first one for me is just the clear standout uh i love if I love what they're doing in seven with Kachansky and screwing with things, but it just doesn't work. All of that stuff works in eight and right from mm. the beginning. It's so much fun seeing the captain back. It's so much fun seeing a red dwarf that's populated. Your mind is like reeling and how are they going to continue this? And they continue it for the whole season. And this is a great season. I mean, this is a fun season. It is by far the best season that, is offbeat and really screws with, you know, the formula of these three seasons that do so. Um, so for me, you know, nothing beats that first episode as you, you see Crichton thought insane, you know, <laughs> he's like, Oh no, you're all dead. And you reconstructed it. And they're like, he needs to be reformat. They're so, I mean, it's just firing on all cylinders. Um, and is the pinnacle of um, what red dwarf can be when it works screwing with the essential formula what about you mm. no uh, i'm exactly that was my conclusion i could come down to back in the red part one um but i i, I struggled with it a little bit because again it's that part one i'm like it's not a complete episode mm -hmm. but then I, I look at the wider series and i look at the standalone episodes you know, you've got cassandra and Crichty TV, and then only the good really in the sort of standalone episodes and only the good ends on a flaming cliffhanger and while sort of like, you know, Crichty TV has got some real issues, <laughs> um, you know, I think if you were to air it today, um, Cassandra's good, but like you say, back to back in the red, part one. Um, and it, well, to be fair, back in the red as, as all three episodes, I think mm -hmm. it worked. I think there's some slightly diminishing returns. I think they, they end up padding bits out. But, you know, back in the red, part one is so good. Um, from the moment that it sort of throws you back into... Um, what was the the original series, but in a different format? Like, the fact, like I said, the the, the show ep the show starts with them in a bunk, and written list of oh, winding right. up Rimmer. Yeah. And you you are you're like you're like wait, wait, wait what's going on? You know how does this work? And then you get the sort of like the flashback of how it all it all came about. It's brilliant. It's it's so good. Like I said, it's firing on all cylinders. They're all working well. <laughs> But what I would say is, having seen this, is 
you know, going back and watching this, um, I always weirdly sort of not resented Chloe in that, but you sort of think, oh yeah, you were good, as, you were fine as Kachansky, but you never quite fit in. It was never done properly. But watching eight, I'm actually like, no, she mm-hmm. was really, she was in a lot better in eight than she was in seven, mm-hmm. or used. I should say, she's used better in eight than she was in seven. Um, and I do think I'm like, oh yeah, it's just such a shame she's never sort of, she never comes back in any real way, um, to be utilised. But yeah, I love. I, I really enjoy Series Eight, and I think it gets a lot of, of flack, mm-hmm. unrightfully, really, um, and should be revisited by people. Agreed, a hundred percent. I mean, and, and I can't say as much as we love Red Dwarf and we love the the formula, um, you know, dissing Kachansky and, and and imagining that really, you know, seven and eight just go off and aren't Red Dwarf in some way is mm. ludicrous. That's just mm. not accurate. So now we get back to Earth. Um, so you get th- three episodes <laughs> to choose from, um, and this is quite obvious. I think this yeah. is quite simple. I think we've made it quite clear that, from my point of view, this is episode one. For sure, episode episode one is good. It's got some really good stuff in it. Um, you know, it's solid. It's got some. It, it, it's sort of like. You know, it's trying to pick up the pieces of the gap between eight and nine and give you some indication of what's gone on. Um, you know, it's it's the the humor's good. It's all pretty good. I mean, to be fair, there's moments in two, as we sort of said, that I like. Mm-hmm. You know, to, episode two's got some really good moments, some human moments of like you know, Dave interacting with the two kids on the bus. Um, you know, actually, even when they appear in the in the in the shop, you know, the fact that like, the cat they all get thrown out and the cat just sort of lands on his feet. Uh-huh. And then it, yeah. goes to, it goes to pot a little bit in episode three, but yeah, episode one in this is 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 quite strong and it was a promising start to something that's yeah a bit a, a bit of a letdown overall. But what what are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree a hundred percent with everything you said. I mean, episode one is is the winner. Um, episode two is is not that far off. I mean, episode one ends with the appearance of that woman who supposedly you know uh, works for the Jupiter Mining Corps. Um, so really all of back to earth one takes place on red dwarf, um, mm. you know, and, and it's got stuff that is, doesn't quite work like, you know, Rimmer, you know, sticking his fingers up as he's listening to music as they're being attacked, but it's still, it's still clever. And I think that, you know, it feels like, I mean, I remember watching this when it aired and it, and it felt like, yeah, okay. I mean, red dwarf was never perfect, but this is a red dwarf is back. It's working um, and, uh, you know, it, it's got a higher budget. It, it looks better, but this is the Red Dwarf that I know and love. And then two is all the parallel, uni- you know, in our universe stuff, which some of which is great, but some of which doesn't quite make sense, you know. And then th- the third part is just the Blade Runner pastiche that, you know, um, we don't like. Um, yeah. Yeah. So so ten. Yeah, you want me to go? I, I, my guess is yeah, we'll yeah, agree go. on this. Um, is fathers and sons? Um, mm. This is the uh, Lister as his own dad giving himself the <laughs> advice and the tapes that he's made, and you know, uh, Lister, you know the the supposed son, you know the one who he's not drunk and he's sobered up and he's watching these tapes, uh, you know, saying, "Oh, I'll just skip to the next tape," <laughs> you know, and yeah, you skip to the next tape, didn't you, Dave? Um, 
And, you know, the fact that it makes, I know if there's one problem with this, it's that it relies on Ouroboros, which we both have huge problems with. But uh, I, I think it is uh, the best episode. I think it's a strong episode. What about you? No, I agree. I mean, I think, you know, 10 is is overall is relatively weak, but I think Father and Son stands out. And if anything, I think one of the things about it is whilst it relies on a robberus, it makes good on a really crappy setup. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what basically it ignores all the sort of the daft stuff from a robberus and, and, you know, I, I hate all of that to do with that episode of, of his how he comes to that conclusion and the, the sort of the logistics of it. But Father and Son sort of just takes it as a simple concept and just runs with it in a really sort of funny way. Um, and again, like this is you know Craig Charles actually, you know, this again is him. He gets a chance to stand out in this episode and do some really good stuff. Um, and him interacting with his drunken self uh, and everything across those videos is is really good. Um, so yeah, no, Fathers and Sons is definitely a highlight in this episode, and it's 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 what this series does well, in, or this this show does well is, how you say, like we said, its, it's continuity is a bit hit and miss. It doesn't really care, on, you know, but every now and then it'll pull something out of the bag, and you'll go, we know this is this is you know fixed um, continuity, and we're going to reference it, and now we're going to do something with it, and this is a successful doing of something with that, that sort of fixed continuity even if I'm not a big fan of it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the other thing I would say is that this is the first episode in all of our best of, right? All of our choices. Mm. That is a real Lister episode. Um, Mm. We've had, we've had multiple Rimmer episodes, you know, uh, you know, obviously, you know, Crichton, um, you know, uh, I'm sure that we'll have more. We both love Crichton episodes. But there aren't a lot of just really great Lister episodes, and this might be the best Lister episode. Yeah, I would probably say so. I mean, I think you know Lister episodes. You know, if I look back, there's there's in the first couple of series, I suppose the end is 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 very much a you know a Lister episode. Um, confidence and paranoia, maybe, but yeah, they, they don't really come often. They, they sort of you know it's a very. Um, and I think we sort of said this. I mean, you know, looking back at series three and four, you get you get episodes of, of you know um, list of interacting with people. But if you look at like you know DNA in series three, uh, well we said this series four. Sorry, Camille and DNA, the two Crichton episodes, pretty much back to back. Yeah. And then you get then you get you end it with two like Rimmer episodes. Considering Dave's meant to be the last human, like he doesn't get a great <laughs> deal of time. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, obviously, I mean, I was reading because I was reading these interviews in in this magazine that you sent me. And, Mm. you know, those interviews make it, you know, pretty clear, like the show just started with Lister. You know, everyone else was just who can we add to Mm. add to the cast? Right. Um, And and one of the reasons Crichton was added was none of the people they added could touch anything, you know, because Rimmer is a hologram and Holly is a computer and uh, Kat is uninterested in doing anything. Um, so considering Lister is clearly, you know, the main character, the heart of the show, um, you know, he's kind of just, you know, I guess the best way to look at it is he's kind of taken for granted. But I think that the mm. most interesting way of looking at it is how much Crichton and Rimmer in particular have developed 
and just become fascinating, wonderful characters when, you know, by all rights, you, you would not expect them to be. No. Yeah, the side characters that have really sort of grown and, and come into their own. Um, and, it, and in that respect, I mean, you know, we said that in for Series 11 then, um, I was... There was a couple, really. I mean, you know, I actually really enjoyed Series 11. Uh, I think it's a really solid series. Um, to me, you know, it starts well. Twentica's pretty good. Samsara's... I, I actually really enjoy Samsara because you get to see the other ship and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But give and take, you know, it's got some really good moments in, um, you know, trying to get sort of um, the, the organs out of cap, but also... Just the whole bit of is it snacky? Yes. What's the drop? Uh, 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 you know, Aslepius and, and snacky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. Um, you know, but the 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 one for me, the one the episode that sort of weirdly, you know, I I can't believe didn't get more attention is Crisis. Um, Amen, brother. You know, because <laughs> you know it addresses sort of Crichton as, as having. Midlife crisis and this idea, and some of the ideas are fantastically silly, like you know, like say him getting the Ferrari red body armor and, and <laughs> zipping around making the noise is is so good. But the fact that the episode ends with them talk, conversing with the sentient universe, <laughs> yes, like that's a big idea. That's a big idea. Like I can't believe they they went there, um, and they do, and it works. It works well. The fact. That, this, I mean, I can't get over the fact this should have been the last episode in in this series, as in like it should have topped series eleven. Like if you ended mm-hmm. this yeah. series with the notion that the Red Dwarf crew gave the universe a midlife crisis, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that's 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 a way to end a show. That's how you end a series. Um, so yeah, crisis. What about you? Oh, I I agree a hundred percent. Give and Take is my runner-up. Uh, I love Snacky. I mean, this whole business with, you know, I, I, Snacky saying, uh, you know, uh, I need your advice. Uh, you know, <laughs> what do you do when other people are, believe you're a sophisticated uh, medical droid and you actually dispense snacks? <laughs> you know? I mean, there's so much. Just, I mean, those droids are just wonderful. And, and also Cat. In that episode, mm. trying not to give up the kidney and then instantly pivoting when he <laughs> thinks his kidney is in jeopardy. Um, you know, there's a lot. And then they, they take the kidney from the, the future. I mean, there's some time travel, you know, stuff that, that works or doesn't for you. Um, but yeah, I mean, Crisis, nothing beats it. Uh, and, and you know what I think is most amazing about, about Crisis? I mean, obviously, there's Butler. I mean, if you, if you described Crisis to me, if you said that, like, in Series 11... You were going to have yet another Crichton episode, and there's going to be a better version of you know the Ace Rimmer. We're going to do an Ace Rimmer for Crichton. Um, you know, I'd say like, okay, we'll see how that works. You know, like that could mm-hmm. easily misfire. Not to mention, we're going to have them converse with the universe, and Butler's going to be like, yeah, I, I did that all the time. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> none of this sounds like it should work. And damned if it doesn't just work minute by minute. And again, by the end, it has that sort of like my head is reeling. It's wonderful. I mean, 
the best Red Dwarf episodes feel like this, where you feel so delighted, so charmed, so entertained, and at the same time, your head is reeling at like the sci-fi concepts, you know, like, um, you know, there's so many episodes that do that, where it's like, we're missing time, what happened, and we slowly <laughs> find out. Um, and I think Red Dwarf can delight, and at the same time, send your mind reeling in this way that is is so unique to a dwarf and, and just so wonderful. And crisis is a amazing example of exactly this. Yeah. So, uh, so, uh, 13, so 12, 12, uh, skipper, you know, uh, I think I, I, you know, was clear about that in going through them. Uh, you know, I'm, I mean, I think obviously Siliconia is okay. Mechocracy has its moments. I love the robot vote. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, mechocracy is is definitely the runner-up for me. Uh, but Skipper, you know, it has its problems, but for me, it's fun. And, you know, seeing the Red Dwarf as the leak occurs, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, seeing the, the happy ending that uh, Lister, uh, I mean, that Rimmer cannot accept. Uh, yeah, it probably wouldn't, it probably would be a runner-up in another season, but for Series 12, to me, it's it's the best episode. What about you? Um, I really sort of struggled with this one because, as you say, sort of then they're not all great to me. The sort of to give three, it's it is it's Siliconia, uh, Mechocracy, and probably Skipper. Uh, but I, I went with Siliconia mm-hmm. um, mainly because again, it's it's one of those ones that like it, it made me chuckle. I like seeing the guys in the um, the the Crichton makeup, um, I think that's kind of cool. Um, I like the fact that like Rimmer's willing to give into it. Yeah. Um, you know, just the idea of doing that. Um, and getting that explanation of Crichton a little bit, but also sort of like the hypocrisy. It, you know, explores the hypocrisy of it a little bit, uh, which I find quite interesting. So, um, yeah, silicone is, is again, but again, it's not. It's it's. It's that sort of thing of the best of a bad bunch, maybe. Well, there we go, ladies and gentlemen. We have done it. Whoopee to us. There was a couple of technical issues, so it does sort of just cut out a little bit there. So we lost the last minute or so. But that's it. You've still got everything. We've got all of our thoughts covering 12 13 actually epic series of the great series that is Red Dwarf one of if not the best sci-fi comedy um, of the 20th and into the 21st century I hope you've enjoyed this journey that we went on it's been incredible it's been a real deep dive I don't think I've ever taken the time to analyze and review and discuss Red Dwarf at this in this depth and uh, what Julie and I have done has been fantastic and I've thoroughly enjoyed it so I hope you have too. If you want to talk about Red Dwarf, please get in contact with us uh, at Pod Time Space on Twitter. But that's it for the bonus shows. No more bonus shows. This was our big bonus epic uh, <laughs> thing we wanted to do. This was our big sort of like bonus project, as it were. But we're back into the movies now. So starting from the next episode will be season two, episode one, uh, the first episode of our new series and we're starting off with a kicker we're going to be going out and we're going to be doing all the way back to 1954 and we're going to be talking about the original godzilla or gojira if you will so 
I'll see you in a couple of weeks uh, and we'll be back on track with the sci-fi movies and I'll be putting out what the rest of them are as well so I hope you enjoyed this bonus series and I hope you are looking forward to series 2 season 2 just as much as we are I hope to talk to you soon